This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. I am a contributor here at Land Grant Holy Land, usually a co-host for Matt Brown. He's taking a sabbatical today, and we are here with another episode. It is Wednesday, April 26, 2017. You're probably either hearing this later tonight or early on Thursday. We want to thank you for tuning in. And a lot of big stuff going on around Ohio State and Ohio State athletics, particularly with the football team. Of course, earlier this week, you got the defensive lineman, Brenton Cox, committing to be in the 2018 Ohio State class. If you want more information on that, be sure to check out Land Grant Holy Land, another huge ad for Ohio State's recruiting class. And then, obviously, the NFL draft coming up either tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this in Ohio State's always been a draft factory, but even more so in the Urban Meyer era. So to break that down, we brought in fellow land-grant contributor and contributor for Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's Eagles blog, as well as SB Nation NFL contributor Alexis Chasson. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I feel like we can have this podcast and keep it civil between us, despite the fact that you're an Eagles fan and I'm a Cowboys fan. So I, I think we'll be all right, hopefully. Yeah, luckily it's the off season, so. And luckily there's no, like, you don't have to worry about the Cowboys taking Zeke or they're not high enough to get Lattimore or Hooker, maybe Curtis Samuel in the second round if he lasts that long, but there's no, like, awkward, you know, Ohio State players, I think, going to be exchanged in this. Yeah, Zeke made it really hard because he did such a good job last year. I wanted to root for him, but, you know, wearing that blue and white, I just couldn't. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So shifting into this year's class, we we might as well get the bad news out of the way. Obviously, the, the big story is the allegations of sexual assault against former Ohio State cornerback Garyon Conley, who had really kind of shot up draft boards, or at least the talk from the media has been rising with him the past couple of weeks that he was going to be a first-round pick, but that he could be a very high first-round pick. Now everything's kind of up in limbo regarding Connolly. What have you gleaned from this situation, and, and, and where do you think Connolly goes from here in the next week? Well, it's really weird um, 
given that when he started this whole process right after the season, he was considered, you know, probably a mid-round pick. And then after his combine performance, and he was crazy fast, uh, he really jumped up. And then after this, it's, um, you know, it's really sad all around because whether, you know, if the allegations are true, then he's not the guy we thought he was. And if they're not, then, you know, they potentially ruined uh, his reputation and his shot at going mid-first round. Um, I don't really know why his lawyer is having him wait until next Monday to meet with cops. I think it would be better for him to get it done ahead of time before the draft so he doesn't have to worry about it. But um, they're saying that he has talked to teams, like called almost every team, that they've let the teams talk to the people who were with him that night, the witnesses, uh, to try and give them you know, an idea of what the situation is like. Yeah, I, th- I think you hit it right on the head. No, no matter what happens here you know there's been a lot of mudslinging on twitter which is unfortunate you see this all the time with these type of stories it's just unfortunate on either either side no matter what the truth is and you hope that whatever did happen that justice is served whether that's you know conley's side or the young lady's side so unfortunate all around but will be interesting to see kind of where this goes and like I said just hope that justice is served either way but moving to some happier news in Ohio State secondary in the NFL draft Marshawn Lattimore is a kid that we all watched and I think when he got signed everybody was really excited for him and then he tore his hamstring three days into that his first freshman camp and kind of dealt with injuries as his career went on until this season when he emerged as maybe the best cornerback in the NCAA and now he's looking at maybe being a top five pick where do you think he could end up in this draft is it is it at number two which some people have suspected to the 49ers or is it a place like Tennessee or or where do you think the best fit for Marshawn Lattimore is I think the best fit's probably going to be the 49ers um especially the 49ers need so much help at so many different positions that they might as well take the best player available Um, There are a lot of teams lower in the draft order, maybe at number 14, like the Philadelphia Eagles, who could use um, a cornerback out of Ohio State, but I definitely don't think he goes lower than four. I'm interested to hear your take on this, because like me personally, and I I love Marshawn Lattimore, I think it's an awesome story, he might have been my favorite player on the team last year, but like... I think it's crazy for any team to take a cornerback, even in the top 10, maybe in the top 15, just because pa- passing so important in the NFL and you've seen the explosion of the passing game and you need to have four good corners out there to, to play against teams that like to throw the ball around. But it just seems like for a premium pick like that, it's really risking a lot, especially for a kid that's had hamstring injuries. For From what you've heard, do you think that, people are okay with what they've seen injury wise from Lattimore, especially given that he had to pull out of the combine early. Yeah. I don't think that uh, the injury concerns are, you know, a big issue for him in terms of what the team see. Um, I am a little surprised that, you know, it's top five fodder right now, just because this is such a um, deep class at defensive back that, you know, you could really get a, good talent in the second, third round and take an offensive weapon in the first, um, depending on, you know, team need, obviously, but it's such a deep class that you could definitely bank on getting somebody a little later on. But I mean, for Ohio State saying that it's DBU, it's definitely going to be a 
good case for it. Yeah, and to build on that, we might as well talk about Malik Hooker, another player projected to be a top 10 pick. Seen a lot of people mock him to the Chargers at seven. Where, what do you think, just after watching him for a year, not only what his ceiling is, but do you think people are kind of underrating him? Because I've seen a lot of people talk about, well, he's he's a great center fielder. His ball skills, which we've all seen, are, are next level. But people are kind of selling him short in the run game, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think, you know, he doesn't really have as much tape as everyone else. So I think that's a bit of the concern. But, um, I mean, his ceiling makes it definitely worth the risk to take him early on. Um, I mean, he has so much more development left ahead of him. And then once he gets in with like the strength and conditioning and adds a little bulk, um, you know, he could be really effective, I think. What do you think the best fit is for him in that top 10? Because it seems like there's no way, at least now, that he kind of escapes, I would say, past maybe Cincinnati or Buffalo. Yeah, I mean... I feel like a lot of teams this season are, uh, or this draft season are looking for secondary help. So um, I think probably the Bengals could use him maybe over the bills, but I see him going in the top 10. Yeah. I think that that sounds reasonable. And if that does happen, it's going to be another season, two years in a row where Ohio state has had players drafted in the top 10. Of course, last year, Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott, going three and four and then presumably this season Marshawn Lattimore and Malik Hooker so we'll have to wait and see but regardless going to be another big day for Ohio State at the top of the draft and something that Urban Meyer Mark Pantone and company can can definitely use recruiting wise as we get down a, a little more to maybe the second round or third round Raquan McMillan is a guy that I, I think has been kind of undervalued in this process and maybe he's typecast more as like a an old school two down linebacker and you have to take him off the field on third down but what what do you think about his pro prospects and how he fits into modern NFL defenses over the past couple of years I've learned that um that players aren't maybe overlooked so much as scouts don't want to say "Ooh, we like this guy and I feel like McMillan is one of those guys where there's a lot more interest going on behind the scenes um, and they kind of want to keep the market cool. But I definitely, he's already in Philly. Um, Malcolm Jenkins posted a picture with him earlier um, hanging out. So I could see him going early second round. And I mean, there's a bigger need for um, those versatile linebackers, I think. And um, with his off-field you know, persona being such a great guy and, um, you know, a real leader, I think uh, teams are going to be clamoring for that, especially in this uh, climate. You talked about the buzz for him being kind of more behind the scenes. It seems like that's the way it's been for H-back Curtis Samuel, too. I've seen mocks have him at the end of the first round. I know just from following Cowboy stuff that maybe they wouldn't take him at 28, but if they were to trade down, they'd be very interested in what he can do in the second round. Where do you think he fits into NFL offenses? And don't you think he's going to be a lot higher than maybe a lot of people kind of projected him as? Because I, I, don't, I don't see him getting out of the top 40. Oh, no, I would agree. I think, I think he had a lot of buzz coming right off the season. And then it kind of died down because people weren't sure how to classify him. So we worked out at the combine um, as a wide receiver, 
But he also told the media that he, um, you know, he can't imagine being just a receiver. Um, you know, he loves being a running back and running with the ball. So I think he's hoping to be used in a hybrid um, type of way. Uh, teams aren't really consistent in the NFL, I feel like, with using hybrids. Um, so he'll definitely have to pick, but I think he'll probably find success um, you know, on the ground in some capacity. Which way, which do you think he'd fit better at? Because I know as you brought up, it doesn't seem like teams are consistent, but at least like for me personally watching him, I know he had some explosive plays at receiver, but like, to be honest, he doesn't look like a guy that can run a full NFL route tree, at least for now. And I, I feel like if a team took him and used him, as more of a running back that that's where he's going to be the best in the league. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he definitely gives off the vibe of a guy who can just like tuck the ball and plow through a couple defenders, find the hole and then go for the end zone. So um, I think to take that away would definitely be underutilizing his talents. Um, but I, I guess it'll just depend on what team takes him and like what they need the most. So another projected top 100 guy for Ohio State moving to the offensive line is center and guard Pat Elfline. Where do you think he can – because, like, in watching him, he seems like the type of player that can fit into any system right away. I know we saw him come into the Michigan game in, what, in 2015 or 2014 and just immediately kind of fit into that role and – never come out and he played some other snaps before becoming a full-time starter where do you think or what do you think Elfline can do to kind of solidify himself as a player that he may be a third rounder but day one he's your guy yeah I'd be I'd be surprised if he made it to the third round only because he's I don't know right now he's ranked like second maybe third at you know his position um I think the perfect situation for Elfline will be going to the Jets. I mean, as sad as that sounds, like I don't really wish that on anyone, but (laughs) (laughs) um, they just released, you know, Nick Mangold, uh, other Buckeye, and he was with the team for 11 years, I believe. And, you know, they just released him. They need a new center. They're building young. Um, I think it would be the perfect transition to go from Buckeye to Buckeye. And he can kind of fill in on other parts of the line which the Jets need help everywhere shifted from a guy like Elfline who seems like he could just be plug and play especially for a team like the Jets is going back to the skill position and Noah Brown and Brown was a player who I I think everybody was kind of a little shocked that he decided to declare and, and get into the draft but you look at the measurables he's a big guy he's a he's a great red zone threat and it seems like he has some of the tools and the traits that I think teams might be looking for, especially when you get into that red zone area. What do you think a, a logistical spot is going to be for Noah Brown? Is it is it fourth round? Is it fifth round? Is is he a day two guy, or the, is he going to have to wait into day three to get his name called? Um, I wouldn't be surprised either way if he ended up going maybe round three or four. Um, but I definitely think they're there are a lot of needs around the league right now for big receivers, like the Terrell Pryor-esque. I feel like a lot of teams kind of looked at Pryor last year and saw what he was able to do uh, for the Browns' offense, which was, you know, 
like non-existent <laughs> other than that. And Not he still, much. like, how did he manage a thousand yards with, you know, five, six different quarterbacks? Like he was able to make plays regardless. And uh, that's what I think Noah Brown can do, especially with his size. I think it would be really interesting if he gets drafted, especially in the third, maybe not so much in the fourth, but if he's a third round pick, then you look back in three years, it's been Devin Smith and Michael Thomas last year and Braxton Miller and then Noah Brown would all be top three round picks. And like for all the consternation about how the wide receivers have played, they've somehow been able to churn out draft picks. And I know that Mike Thomas has kind of stepped up and, and been the guy right away in New Orleans, but Smith has struggled. Braxton Miller was on and off last year and injured a little bit. And it just kind of seems like it'd be really cool to see another Ohio State receiver get drafted, but there'd also be that second hand of like, okay, they keep getting guys drafted, but why aren't they having success in college? So something to look out for, I think is kind of just weird. Absolutely. And you figure that it, you know, it's kind of reflective of Ohio State in both a good and bad way. We generally have like one superstar receiver um, and then one waiting in the wings, but we don't really have multiple options, which is the problem. (laughs) So moving into, I, I think that's it. Don't you think for players, at least in the top four or five rounds, Ohio State wise, that may get drafted? Looking at everything else, starting with Cam Johnston, do you think he gets drafted just based off of his production in college? And even if he doesn't, it seems like he'd be a pretty logical fit to land with the team and be a good punter in the league. I think he'll definitely sign with someone. Um, I think teams saw a lot about the Buccaneers last year when they used their second round draft pick on a kicker, which come on, but, um, didn't work out. Right. Not well at all. So I feel like teams are going to be a little, uh, trigger shy on that. And in terms of kickers, you know, in the draft, he's definitely in the top, but I don't know if he's the top one or two. And those are going to be the only guys who, you know, hear their name called, but I definitely think, he ends up on a training, you know, in training camp somewhere. Do you think there's any hope for guys like Dontre Wilson and Corey Smith to make teams as wide receivers or especially in Corey Smith's case, because he had a lot of success, especially in 2014 as a special teams player. Do you think that that is their main avenue to getting to the NFL in 2017? Oh, man, I felt for Dontre Wilson. You could just tell, like, week after week as the season ended, like, his dreams were starting to, like, slip away from him. You know, he got – he didn't get an invite to the Senior Bowl. He didn't get invited to the Combine. So his only performance in front of scouts was at Pro Day. Um, He did do, I think, a couple of private workouts. Um, I think him and Corey Smith, if they do sign with the team, it's going to be on special teams. But um, honestly, Dontre Wilson kind of reminds me of Jalen Marshall on special teams. And again, that was supposed to translate well, but it didn't quite work out. And he ended up getting benched. So I'm not sure how long of a chance Wilson would get. Yeah, a lot of scary moments with Dontre Wilson back there as a returner. But like looking at all of these players, and it's I think the easy question is like, who's going to be the best in the NFL, but we've seen from not just from Ohio state, but around the league as well. It, it doesn't matter kind of where you get drafted. Sometimes if, if you're a high round pick, you're going to bust out and we don't know the fit yet. We don't know where these players are going, but 
just right now looking at it, who do you think out of these this whole group, out of these six or seven players, has the best chance to succeed in the NFL long term? I think McMillan will have the most explosive success, um, sort of like a Shazier, but unexpectedly. Um, but I think Elfline will have the most, like the longest career. Like I think, you know, him being able to do multiple positions, he could be in the league, you know, a decade plus. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the the best the the best player to go with in terms of that. Just because, like we talked about, he's a kid that can probably just wherever he lands can just plug and play right away, whether it's at center or guard. I, I still think that Lattimore is a bit of a question. We talked about Conley earlier, not knowing his situation, and just like terms of on the field stuff, I, I can't say that I like actually studied quote the tape on these guys, but even before everything that we found out about Conley this week, I was like shocked to hear that he was getting first round love based off of his season last year, which was fine. But I think if you go back and look at it, it wasn't first round worthy. Like a lot of people kind of thought he was going to be before everything happened this week. And I'm with you. I think that Raekwon is going to surprise a lot of people, especially with what he can do in the past game. And He's not going to be that guy that you have to take off the field when third downs come, especially if he goes to a place that has, you know, a strong will linebacker or a strong Sam to kind of help him and, and kind of guide him along in his rookie season. I think that he can be the brains of a defense for a long time. And like, quite honestly, based off of everything we've seen from Ohio state in the past three or four years, it's not out of the realm to think that all of these guys are going to have success, especially when, you come from a school that produced the offensive rookie of the year last year and the defensive rookie. So I think that all these guys to some degree or another have a pretty good shot of succeeding at the NFL level. Absolutely. They will be just another name in the very, very long list of successful NFL Buckeyes. Well, and how crazy is it that you look at last year and you have 12 players drafted in the first four rounds and Joey Bosa at three. Zeke at four, you have Darren Lee going to the Jets, you have Adolphus Washington going to the Bills early, and all of these names, and you lose all that star power, and Ohio State just comes back and says, okay, we're going to have two more defensive backs drafted in the top ten. Like, I, I know that schools like Alabama and LSU have done that, but I think Ohio State's finally getting to that point where they're just churning them out every year, and I can't see when it's going to stop. No, and with Urban Meyer's recruiting, I mean – it's hard to say it just keeps getting better because how can you possibly, you know, get better than, you know, what we had with the national championship team and, uh, you know, some of the players that we're losing this year. But I, I don't know, the next group, like the next man up seems just as good, if not better or with more potential. So it's exciting to see, you know, how they transition when they come in versus when they go out. It is definitely not a bad time to be an Ohio State fan and, a lot of that will be on display tomorrow. And I think like the best case scenario is Lattimore and Hooker each go in the top five and you have back to back years with two top five guys. And then somehow Curtis Samuel sneaks into that first round. Yep. And maybe even Elfline. I think I don't think four in the first round's completely crazy. I mean, it's a little little lofty, but you gotta have goals. Well, and you know, we've seen NFL teams do a lot of crazy shit. When it comes to taking first-round picks, we've seen, like you said last year, in the second round, 
Roberto Aguayo going to the Buccaneers. So I don't think anything's off the table, but it will finally be nice to not have so much speculation and for these kids to finally reach their dreams and get to the NFL. And selfishly for us as Ohio State fans to be able to say, look at all these kids going to the league in the first round. Come play for the Buckeyes. So it works out for everybody. Absolutely. And there really is nothing better than when you're watching the NFL on Sunday and you hear the intros and it's the Ohio State University. I mean, it makes it just a great day. Yeah, and and now we've gotten to the point where, like we said, Bosa's making plays. Zeke is making plays. Darren Lee made a few plays last year. Shea Zier, Michael Thomas stepped up and was one of the best wide receivers in the league and had a historic rookie season. And so, like, every week, I know we were doing posts where it was like Michael Thomas steps up or Zeke steps up, yada, yada, yada. And that, like, that translates in fans see that and recruits see that. And, like, it's just a nice feeling to not have to be like, yeah, Vernon Golston was a first-round pick, but he busted for the Jets. And, like, (laughs) Ted Ginn wasn't good for the Dolphins. So I'm glad we've, like, moved past that era. Right, yeah. We're finally, you know, on a good path. Before we get out of here, do you have any other hot NFL draft takes, especially when it pertains to Ohio State? Um... I don't know that it's a take, I guess, specifically, but if the Philadelphia Eagles don't get a Buckeye this year, I'm going to cry for <laughs> for days and days. Well, and now you're surrounded, basically, in the NFC East, except for, I think, the Redskins, because Cowboys took Zeke, and then the Giants took Eli Apple last year in the first round, so if the if the Redskins man, manage to, to scoop up one of these players, then you're just going to have Malcolm Jenkins. But that's that's not bad. No, I mean, it's a good one to have, but I just need more than one. Who's your, like your ideal pick for the Eagles? Um, Lattimore, but there's no way he's dropping to 14. <laughs> I, I feel like I would be okay with that in, for like an all-Buckeye secondary there just so I can avoid having to watch Christian McCaffrey for the <laughs> Eagles. That's like the last thing I want to see. Well, I mean, you have Zeke. You can't really be too <laughs> like true. concerned that's about very, it. That's very true. All right. <laughs> I, I think that's probably going to wrap it up. I'm sure our listeners are upset at you for being an Eagles fan and even more upset at me for being a Cowboys fan. So we'll wrap it up there. My name is Colton Denning. This has been the Land Grant Holy Land podcast. Hang out in the Holy Land. And I was joined today by Alexis Chasson. Alexis, where can everybody find your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LovelyBuckeye or at LandGrantHolyLand.com. You can find her there. You can find Land Grant Holy Land at LandGrant33. You can find me at DubsCo. And if you have any problems with the podcast, make sure to send a tweet at MattSBN and he'll take care of all of that for you guys there. Alexis, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to keep up with every episode of Hangout in the Holy Land or search the archives, you can go to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland or go to Apple Podcasts and search Hangout in the Holy Land.